In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At the end of October, there was a, kind of a, I don't know, it may not be too significant to most of you. I, I like sports, and there was a kind of a weird sports thing that happened. And that was all four major sports were playing on the same day. And that, that only happens like one day out of the year. So hockey started, NBA basketball started, uh, baseball was getting toward the, the World Series, and uh, football was in full swing. And there was all, all of those games were on in one day. And just so I could say I did it, I watched about two minutes of each one. And uh, hooray. So uh, what I noticed was um, a couple of things. One, it's amazing the, the kind of skill that these professional athletes have and the amount of dedication they put into training. I'm impressed by that. But the other thing that I noticed, just kind of switching back and forth between all of them, is the amount of self-aggrandizement that there is in professional sports. And by that I mean a lot of chest-thumping, a lot of pointing to oneself, a lot of posturing, a lot of, you know... Uh, it kind of reminds you of when your grandkids are about four years old. They go, look at me, Grandpa, look at me. You know, they're kind of all doing that. And I know we're the me generation, but there's something about that that doesn't strike me very right. It's, it, there's no humility at all to it. And in today's gospel lesson, we have the exact opposite of that. We have a guy who is the poster child of humility. John the baptizer. We have a guy who knew who he was and what he was supposed to do, and he did it and then shut up. He didn't, you know, point at himself and go, people would ask him, are are you the Messiah? No, no, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. If we were going to use a sports metaphor, we would say, I'm not even worthy to carry his jockstrap. So John was saying that he was a guy that if he, would have been, if he would have been in sports, he would have been uh, the blocking back or an offensive lineman toiling in anonymity. He would have been the assist leader in hockey or basketball. And in baseball, he would have laid down a sacrifice. But that's who John was. He was not the light. He was there to shed light on the light of the world. He knew who he was. John was, um, in my opinion, not just mine, Jesus too, the greatest prophet there ever was. That's what Jesus said. He was a great prophet because he remembered who he was, that it was not about him. As, as Dr. Phil would say, it ain't about you. It was about the message that he had. And so John was a guy that uh, I have called before the uh, Ed McMahon of the intertestamental period. And that's because, remember the old Johnny Carson show? Uh, Ed McMahon was the guy that always, uh, what, you know, fed Johnny straight lines, laughed at his jokes, and oftentimes was the butt of Johnny's jokes. But Ed was a guy that knew what his job was, and that was to shed light on the star, which was Johnny. And when Ed said, here's Johnny, we were pretty sure it wasn't about Ed. <laughs> it was going to be about, and, and John the baptizer, in like fashion, pretty much was saying, here's Jesus, and, and then, you know, got out of the way. Oh, I, I baptize with repentance for forgiveness of sins, but he baptized with the Holy Spirit. So John was a guy who uh, had humility. 
and people could recognize that he was the genuine article. You had people coming not only from the Judean countryside, but they were coming out from the city, out into the desert, which is pretty weird. And they, they, they wanted to listen to John because they knew he was an authentic prophet and had a genuine word from God. And they wanted that, that authentic relationship with God. They wanted to see that. John was a guy that was the kind of bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He was in very much a transitional phase between God is the God of the children of Israel and God is the God of everybody. That Jesus' death and resurrection opens up the way of salvation to all people for all times. No matter how rich, how poor, Jew, Gentile, old, young, healthy, not what didn't make any difference. That opened the kingdom to all believers from that point on. John was in that transition phase. And he was saying, it's not going to be business as usual. This is a new thing. You've got to get ready for a new thing here. Now, when I think about John, I think that he was in a transition period, but so are we. We had the Reformation celebration here, 500 years Uh, a few weeks ago, and we know that that was a transition period in Christianity. One of the Episcopalian bishops said, he said, it seems as though the Christian church about every 500 years has a giant garage sale. And so you notice in the first 500 years, Christianity went from being illegal, outlawed, underground, persecuted, and then by the time we get to the, the first 500, well, now it's the, uh, not only legal, it's the, the, the law of the land. It's the religion of the land. It's, you know, it's a totally uh, a part of the culture. Then you got another 500 years, and the church accumulates power. Another 500 years, and Martin Luther says, this is getting ridiculous. You can't tell the church from the government, the government from the church. It's all, you know, kind of one thing. And, and it's just, it's not the way it is supposed to be. Well, now we're at another one of those transition periods, in my opinion. This is 500 years, another giant garage sale. And what I mean by that is we can't be saying, too, uh, yeah, it's going to be like it always was. No, it isn't. It isn't going to be like that. Look around yourself in this sanctuary. How many people here do you see that are over 60 years old? How many people do you see who are under 30? What does that say to you? It should say something, that we are in a transition phase. Young people are staying away from the Christian church in droves. And I think I know why. I think it's because they see that there are televangelists and others out there who believe not that they have give the message of grace and humility, but that they are the message. They get their impressions from TV and social media. And the impressions that young people get about the Christian church is that you can't tell it from the culture. Young people are very countercultural. They want things that are authentic. I talked to the um, chaplain of the... Um, you know, uh, campus chaplain Robert Abner, he said that college-age students that he deals with at Ball State are looking for authentic relationship. Remember two Sundays ago, the word that I said 
if you asked me to, to, to say, what is it that makes life worth living? And I said I could do it in one word. That word was, Becky? Relationships, relationships. yes. And that's, the, that's what they're looking for. Authentic relationships. Authentic with people. Authentic with God. Authentic with themselves. They're looking for that. Young people are very spiritual. They believe in volunteering. They want something better for the world. They think more globally probably than my generation. They're very spiritual. And they want to have authentic relationship. They just don't think they can find it in the Christian church. They have been jaded by what they see in social media and television. And they don't see anything countercultural. They see us being exactly the same. And if Jesus was anything... He was the most countercultural figure in history. Jesus was somebody who didn't put on any airs, even when he had his big Palm Sunday thing. He rode in on a little donkey. You know, he didn't have a home. He didn't have anywhere to go. Birds of the air have nests. Foxes have holes. The Son of Man has no, nowhere to put his head. He didn't have expensive clothes. He didn't have a $3,000 suit and a diamond <laughs> pinky ring. He didn't have big transportation and a tricked-out chariot. He was, he was the most humble and uh, um, straightforward guy that, that the world had ever seen. Jesus was somebody who was countercultural in the sense of when everybody else was talking about the code of the West, do unto others before they do it unto you, Jesus was saying, love your enemies. Do good to those who spitefully use you. The Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the thirsty. Ble- really? That doesn't sound right. We, we don't act that way. We don't, our culture is not that way. We don't think less is less. Less is more. We think more is more. Jesus was countercultural. Young people are looking for that. And what they're seeing is not that. And it looks to them to be indistinguishable from the culture. Hooray for me, get more stuff, do more. It's all about me. That's what they see. Now, I have some good news for you in the midst of this dark cloud. Lutherans, Lutherans have very much something to offer to young people today. Because Lutherans have never been overly hierarchical, you know, rules coming down from above. We're pretty, you know, congregation independence. Lutherans have never been overly emotional. We're in no danger of that. As I've told you before, Lutherans are the originators of the low five. Let's keep it down here. So we've not been hierarchical. We've not been overly emotional. What Lutherans have always been in our better traditions, have always been in our theology and our practice, is relational. That's who we've always been. And what are they looking for, Becky? There you go. We've always been that. We are uniquely poised to speak to young people and their needs of authentic relationship. We are uniquely positioned to be able to do that. But did you notice that I said we are need to speak? See, that's the catch here with Lutherans. Yes, we have all kinds of great things to offer to young people in terms of relationship of grace and mercy. 
We have all these things to give to them. But (laughs) we're not saying anything. And those of you who work in in, uh, business know that you can have the best product in the world, but if you don't market it or say anything, Eddie, what happens? You don't say much. Not, Not much goes on. So we are in a transitional period right now like John the Baptizer was. We're not in the same kind of period when I was a kid when you could put up a church building and without doing any advertising open the doors and the first Sunday 200 people would walk in. We are not there now. That's done. And we are not going to reach young people necessarily by impressing them with our large lobbies in Washington or you know any magnificent buildings. We're not going to do it that way. But we can take the relational theology that we have and take that out to them. They're not going to come in here. We have to take it out to them. We have to do that. Maybe if we take it out to them enough, maybe eventually they'll, they'll say, where are you getting that stuff? <laughs> they'll say, little church on Washington Street. You know, That's where I get, it, you know, get a refill every Sunday. We can do that. We can do that. Like John the baptizer, we are in that transitional period. And like the baptizer, we want to make sure that the message is, it ain't about me. It's about God's grace and God's love and God's forgiveness. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.